Welcome to episode 9 of the Colorful Kit Podcast. We have a new guest today. Um, we got Brian, Flo, and we got Rafa. Brian, what's going on? Welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Of course, of course. Figured we got to get some new blood to talk about these uh, Mexico games. So, new guy, you're first. What you, would you, what'd you think of the first two games against Honduras and El Salvador? Um, well, El Salvador kind of went how I thought it was going to go. Um, I thought we were going to win at least by two or three. But um, I'm just surprised on how we couldn't really finish anymore. Uh, but it, it was fine. Three three zero is fine by me. But the Honduras game, I was getting a little worried uh, how the ref wasn't really pulling out any yellow cards. And obviously he needed to because as we saw the one injury could have been prevented, I think. Um, and what was it with the, them showing that over and over and uh, over? Yeah. It was like 80 replays. I'm like, I'm really good. I don't need to see any of that anymore. Well, the announcer was like, well, we hope we don't have to see it again. And they showed it like four more times. <laughs> yeah, that was a real uh, mood killer. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the guy, Luis Garrido, I think he was on loan at Houston Dynamo, but the loan had been cut, so he's going back to whatever team he was on now. So I don't Yikes. know what's going on. That's tough love right there. Yeah. But yeah, the Honduras game. Yeah, um... I felt like we were going to win, but um, what I really liked is how Osorio used his subs. Um, people might disagree with me, but I thought Tuca Ferretti did not do good with his subs, at least against the U.S. Um, and I thought uh, Osorio brought on Tecatito Corona at the right time, um, and obviously he proved himself. And then Jurgen Dam came in, and even if he didn't score, you know he's still a threat. He got some minutes, so I was I was happy by that. Uh, and two zeros fine by me that was a great win i i think against the usa uh duca was like hamstrung with his subs i think he was holding on to them so long because he didn't know how long jonah and uh rafa could go because i was mad mm-hmm. too like and, and game night i was really like what are you doing what are you doing but then the next day i was saying well he couldn't make any subs because he didn't know how long you know those two guys could go so i'll give him a pass mm-hmm. on that but yeah, I was I the first just... guy. Like ninety four, as soon as like extra time started, I was like, "Where is Tecatito? Where is Tecatito?" <laughs> yeah, every I think everybody was. I think was Tecatito that. was like trending in Mexico. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Flo, you, we were we were all trying to guess when uh, Estadio Azteca was going to turn against Mexico if they didn't start scoring goals. I think people were tweeting me that hey, we got up until like the thirty fifth minute, and then the whistles started coming. Yeah, I think uh, I think I predicted the thirty first minute, yeah. but thankfully we got a we got an early goal. So uh, thanks to Guardado with that great free kick, so it didn't get to that. But even after that, it seemed like the crowd was getting impatient because they felt like we should be putting a lot more of these chances away. And you know, I tend to agree with them, but you know, you can't really complain on a, on the win. It just seemed <clears throat> Oribe Peralta just seemed like he couldn't finish anything. It wasn't the only one. I mean, I thought he was he was bad, but everyone's missing chances. Yeah, Vela, a lot of people. Even Chicha was out there missing chances. So, but hey, Hector Herrera got a goal. <laughs> Even though everyone, everyone was and their mom was trying to give it to Chicharito. Yeah, I think even Bayern, Bayern's uh, or Bayern Leverkusen's official account was already tweeting out "Gracias Chicharito" and everything. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think even uh, Hector knew he uh, got that in. <laughs> no. He was, like, surprised. He, he was happy with the assist. 
Sure. Uh, Rafa, talk to me about uh, what do you think of his uh, Juan Carlos Osorio's tactics? Do you think he played it like he should have, just or as you expected? Because you said you expected some changes. Yeah, um, I actually talked about this last time I was on how we should expect Osorio to move people around and. One of the first things he did at, uh, at that Honduras game was he, he switched Osvaldo Alaniz as a left wing back, uh, which was kind of shocking to a lot of people. You know, when the lineup first came out, we were trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together and try to figure out exactly how how you know Mexico was actually going to go out. And it turns out that Osvaldo Alaniz came out as a left back. Uh, the reason he actually gave us that was uh, he used that as height because Honduran players were just a, a lot taller than Mexican players, which... Uh, Overall, I guess it makes sense. Uh, at times, you know, that's been Mexico's biggest weakness when it comes to defending set pieces, uh, corner kicks, uh, you know, everything pertaining to uh, set pieces. We saw it against the U.S. Mexico conceded like that as well. Uh, and it, it worked out. I think that Mexico looked strong and it looked uh, capable in the air, which is what, what Osorio was aiming for. Uh, I think, personally, I think if you were Vasto Osorio, do you sign the 0-0 in San Pedro Sula? He would have said, okay, I'm okay with getting a point for San Pedro Sula. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the goals were a bonus, and from there, there was just no going back. Mexico scored, and then Jurgen Dam came in and scored a second, uh, and Mexico was just not going to lose that again like they did uh, four years ago or so when when they gave up that 2-0 lead. Yeah, I was a little nervous, just just a little nervous when they got the first goal. Because I was thinking, all right, they're going to you know, finally start attacking. But once we got that second goal, which I'm calling it, it was like a no-look shot by Jurgen Dam. That was game. I, I was pretty, once we got the 2-0 lead, I was like, all right, we got this. We're going to coast to three, point, three points here in the group stage. You know, one thing I'll say about Osorio is he's a very good in-game manager. He's okay with moving people around in the middle of the game. He's okay with switching formations, something we, we don't see a lot in Mexico or just in Liga Américas in general. You you rarely see managers go ahead and, you know, when they're, they have 4-3-3 out, they change completely. You never see that in Liga Américas whatsoever. It's rare when you see managers do that. Osorio is confident enough to, to do that in mid-game and see, uh, maybe I made a mistake here. Let's time to switch it up and change formations. He's not afraid to do that, and, and I like that. I think at the end, it might, he might have not played with any number nines on the field. I think he moved. I'm not. I'm not sure. Do you guys remember who he played up front for like the last 20 minutes or so? Uh, but you know, when was the last time we saw Mexico play without a striker anywhere in any situation? Uh, I like that. That's gutsy, but it worked. And the thinking behind it is that Mexico has a lead and they're going to look to break quick. So he puts in Jurgen Dam. And that's what Jurgen Dam is there for. Uh, you know, a lot oh, of people speed. might not see it that way. Yeah. Exactly. Flo, do you remember the yeah, days I... of Chepo de la Torre? When we, we had the plan, <laughs> and then if it wasn't working, well, you know what? Let's bring on all the forwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it called? But I also wanted to say um, about, you know, the his tactics and whatnot. I really did not like the move of moving Lyon over to right back. You know, I know it came out in the, on Twitter a little bit beforehand that they're moving Lyon over to the right side, and there's a lot of people talking about it. Um, you know, try to keep an open mind, but he just re- looked really uncomfortable over there. Um, 
a guy that's coming from Porto who seemed to be playing some of the best football of his life to just change him to the complete opposite side. He just didn't, he wasn't involved in the game like like we thought he would be. Well, building on to that, who are some players that impressed you and some that disappointed you in those first two games, Flo? Um, impressed, obviously Tecatito with that ridiculous goal. But even in um, the Salvador game when he didn't score, he he played great. Uh, someone else, uh, Moreno. I really like Moreno on the back line. I felt like he did a great job leading the back line. Uh, some players that disappointed. Uh, I think I mentioned Peralta already and Layun, obviously. Um, and Alvela. Even though Vela got a goal um, and played very well, he was just kind of out there, not really doing much, just connecting short passes together, but not really attacking in my it's like mind. He's a, it's like he was a back at Real Sociedad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, who, who stood out or who disappointed you? Um, I, I thought I thought Ayala was going to make a lot more mistakes um, <laughs> against Honduras, so I guess he surprised me. Uh, I never really rated him too much. Um, so I guess he, I, I wouldn't say he played great, but he surprised me. He kind of held his own. Um, I thought Aquino could have, I mean, he did his job. I know that field was just atrocious. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he kind of did his job, but I don't really think he uh, was too special. I don't know. It's just he comes right out, and the next guy comes in and scores. It just kind of looks bad. But, um, yeah, the whole, moving Layun to the right, I don't, I don't, I wasn't really huge on that. But I guess he saw something. I guess Osorio saw something with that. I, I'm not really sure how I like that moving further uh, forward either. Um, but that was about it. I think everyone else played their game. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it. I'm gonna have to. Agree. I mean, Ayala. I think he did. You, you're, you're, you're coming from the standpoint that he didn't do as bad as you thought he was gonna do. Is that where you're coming from, basically? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I still think yeah. he did bad. Like he had, a, he had a really sketchy, he had a sketchy incident. I think in like the first twenty minutes, where the ball bounced and he thought it was gonna go farther. Yeah. And he almost timed it, and I, I was like, oh boy, that's how, that's how they always score on us. So. Yeah, I was just like. I was almost saying just bring in someone else. It was just like, I was like ready to bring in Masa Rodriguez. I didn't even care. I was like, just get Ayala off the field. <laughs> so yeah, he was my player. That's, I wouldn't even say disappointed me. I just, I was disappointed he was on the field. But yeah, <laughs> but, yeah like you guys were saying, uh, Tecatito surprised me. I just, not even that, we know he's talented and he's, you know, he's playing doing well in all these other games, but just, that goal, wow! That was just—I—I—I I, I took a video that I put it on Twitter. I'm still getting retweets from it, and like weeks later, people are still like, "Wow, this kid!" Oh yeah, yeah. Rafa, who are you guys? Who are you guys? Well, I like O'Brien on this one. I think Javier Aquino was not very good. I'm just gonna just be blunt about it, I guess. Was it that he uh, wasn't? Uh, I don't know. And that he wasn't very good, or maybe he, his job was just like. Be the you know be like the water carrier, just move the ball up. Not, I don't know. I don't think he did bad. I he just didn't do anything. Like man, well, I, I wrote extensively about this. How Juan Carlos Osorio, it's for him, it's all about wing play. And to be honest, the wing play in that game against Honduras was atrocious. It was awful. I didn't see Javier Aquino do much with the ball. I 
pretty sure I, I wrote a specific example aside from the goal, which came from the wing. It came from just Jurgen Dam hustling and scoring from that. Yeah. I guess that counts. But other other than that, the other play was, uh, I think Javier Aquino took on one guy or something and then sent a cross in for Raul Jimenez, and Raul Jimenez just made a mess out of that shot, if you guys remember. Oh, God. But, oh. Yeah. <laughs> aside from that, I don't think a lot came came out of the wing. Uh, and that should be a bit worrying if you're Javier Aquino because there's guys like Carlos Vela who can play on the wing. There's guys like Jurgen Dam who you never know might get the starting spot in the next game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I was disappointed with Javier Aquino. Uh, the other player that you guys... Uh, well, actually now going going into players that impressed me I, that you guys missed, I think Andres Guardado was massive. Mm-hmm. I thought it's, Andres it's more Guard- of a like, we're ex- he's expected to do that now at this point, isn't it? Now it's like we're <laughs> surprised he doesn't have like a man-of-the-match performance. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, aside from the El Salvador game, which we all know he was just a difference maker on that one, uh, Adam Juris, he he was the captain. He oh, was yeah. literally the yes. captain on the field. He was telling people what to do. Uh, you know, he he looked like a captain out there. It's the first time I see somebody who is not Rafa Marquez be a captain for Mexico. It, it was phenomenal. I really think that this guy is uh, the captain going forward. Uh, I know another one of our colleagues, Naive, mentioned it as well. He said that you know you sh- we should feel comfortable having him as captain because he certainly did look like a captain against Honduras, uh, and that's one player that just because of his captaining abilities, again that leadership that he showed on the field, that impressed me. As you know, forget about his game, forget about everything else. It was what he showed on the field with his leadership, with his ability to tell teammates what to do with the ball, without the ball. I mean, he even told Jurgen Dam. You know, he gave him a lecture about what to do with his shirt after he took it <laughs> off and scored, you know? I mean, that's that's a captain right there. I mean, Durian Dam is so skinny, he shouldn't be taking off his shirt anyway. <laughs> exactly. No, you're right. <laughs> well, I, I had a bad feeling when he did that because there was 20 minutes left. I'm like, oh, you need to do that like in the 87th minute with a three-goal lead maybe. <laughs> so, uh, Brian's still having nightmares of the 2014 qualification where we gave up those two goals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I want to say one thing about Aquino. Um, the one thing I noticed he was not doing right was he would receive the ball and he would wait with the ball too long and he wouldn't give it give it to another player so he can make a run. He kind of waited with it and a player would crash in crash in and mess up his whole rhythm with the with the whole movement of the of the uh, attack. Uh, that was the one thing I was a little disappointed about. Um, well, in that sense, I think I think um, him. And uh, you know the other winger are used to having overlapping fullbacks, mm-hmm. and Ayala was not making that run. No, and Layun, he wasn't making it as much as we're used to. You know, he's he's used to. He's, you know, we're all used to watching him make the overlapping run, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't there. And no. I think that kind of go into what uh, Rafa was saying, like that. You know, that took away from the wing play when when we don't have quote unquote these wingbacks, fullbacks making these runs. It just it doesn't help. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe maybe he was maybe so used to you know having Torres Nilo make that overlapping run at Tigres, yeah, you know, but mm-hmm. it just seemed like he was uh, just holding it for just yeah. way too long. Yeah. Like usually, usually you just got to get rid of it, but that's what I noticed. Well, you know, going back to Layun, we've spoken extensively of him playing Layun as a right back or on the right side, but we we also agree that Osorio looks like the kind of guy who might recognize his mistake and start playing him on the left again. Because we all agree here that Layun was not very good on the right. 
Yeah. No. And and Flo was that was the thing Flo was saying last episode, right? Flo, you were saying what is he doing? It's it's gonna be on him if he if if Layun doesn't do well as right back, no one's gonna say, Hey Layun, what are you doing? Everyone's gonna be like, Osorio, what are you doing? Exactly. I mean left back, maybe left mid, maybe even central mid, but completely opposite side. You know, you weren't expecting him to, I mean if you if he went out there and he did great, it would it would have been a a, a crazy surprise, but everyone was kind of expecting him not to play well, I think. Yeah, so all in all, six points. USA yep. got four points, so. <laughs> yeah. Not saying, I'm just saying. Also, one more thing. I was very disappointed Gullet didn't get to play. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought he was going to start. I mean, I think Rafa was predicting he was going to start yeah. last episode. So we got that Rafa jinx. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, Dragon Dev's not gonna get called for the next game after I said. <laughs> after I said he's gonna start. Yep, it said Jinx. <laughs> All right. Well, pivoting away from the national team, uh, Champions League, which we have what seven Mex? I mean, are we gonna count Polito? Do you count Polito? Ah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, he's he's made the bench a couple times, but anyways, Champions League. Uh, let's just real quick. I'm gonna go over how all the Mexicans can advance. All right, Group B. We got PSV. Pretty much, if they win, they're in. Simple as that. If they win mm-hmm. by a couple goals, they can you know win top of the group. But if they win, they're in. So I I don't think I think most of us would have given them a chance to advance. But uh, I mean that's a pretty decent group for them to try to get out of. Yeah, I thought they should have got out of it, especially when Wolfsburg sold uh, their their big star. Yeah. Um, but, the but Brewing. A, yeah, but uh, Rafa, you know, they got a uh, Lord Bettner. So Lord Bettner, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> best striker in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, so pretty much PSV wins. They're in. They continue. Um, Benfica is in. If they if they beat Atletico Madrid. In the last group game, then they'll be in the top of the group, but or draw. Yes, yes. I mean, I'll take that. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Group, Group E, the group of Chicharito. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much, Bayer Leverkusen has to be Barcelona. <laughs> At camp now. But listen, to it, li- listen. To me. We talked, Flo. We talked about this like episode one of the podcast that this is the best possible thing to happen to them because Barcelona is totally through. They've won the group. Mm-hmm. There's no way they can get second place. So I'm thinking they might just, you know, and I hate to say this, they might play their bench, but the bench of Barcelona is probably the most expensive bench in the world. <laughs> maybe they'll, maybe they'll play a PK, a striker or something. If Guardiola was there, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much Bayer has to win to get in. That's. Wait, are you sure they're not at home? I thought they were playing on the road uh, against Barcelona. You might be right. Yeah, I think they're playing at home. So they're playing at Bayer? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that could... makes it, I guess, incrementally easier. A yeah. 0.005% in increase in chances. Yeah. And even even if they do win, Roma has to not win as well for them to move on. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see. 
But I think I think Roma is making the trip to Borisov. I think at least. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're home or no, away. I think I think they're okay. home. Uh, well, because right. uh, if you recall, they actually beat Roma at home. Oh, okay. Well, third place Europa League. <laughs> Yeah, more yeah. chances to score goals though. That's all. That, that's all that matters. Yeah, it's true. Um, group F, we got Olympiacos, Bayern, and some team, some Gunners, the Gunners. <laughs> Rafa, since you're a Gunners, talk to me. How can how can Arsenal qualify here? They have to win by two goals. It's that <laughs> simple. They have to go into one of the craziest atmospheres and just settings in all of Europe. With in Athens and go and win 2 0. I think it's doable. I mean, I might sound like a fan right now, but I think it's doable. Two goals, you know, afterwards. I think that's the I think they need Bayern Munich to win as well, right? Um, Arsenal has to beat Olympiacos and they have to win by two goals to get it in. they They have to win by two goals. Yeah, by two yeah. goals and Bayern Munich to win, I think. Right? I, it doesn't matter. Bayern, I don't think they're. Yeah, matter. I don't think it matters. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so. No, so that's doable. Not if Polito plays. Yeah, Polito's gonna. Well. Okay, what if, what if Arsenal is winning by two goals? They bring in Polito and then he scores a goal in like the ninety-fourth minute extra time. What are you feeling right there? <laughs> well, those who know me personally know I've never been a fan of Polito, to be honest. So I'd be pretty angry, to be honest. <laughs> I, I I always thought there was better forwards in Mexico than Polito, to be honest. We'll see if he comes back. We'll see what he does. But, I mean, Arsenal can advance. But if they don't win by two goals, then Olympiacos is going to the second, to the knockout phase. Yeah. If not, I'll, I'll settle for Europa League. We'll, we'll play the mighty Chelsea or Manchester United in the final. I'll settle for that. <laughs> um, group G... We have Porto and Chelsea. And I believe Porto is going to Stanford Bridge for this one. Mm. So, mm. Porto has to win, essentially. Or draw. If, or if, well, oh, no. if, if I... Tel Aviv beats Dynamo Kiev and Chelsea and Porto draw, then They're Porto advances. Well, pretty much, if Tel Aviv beats Dynamo Kiev, then Porto is in. No matter what. No matter what. I'm looking at this. It's like this huge flow chart I'm looking at right now. But, yeah. Well, I'll say one thing about Porto. I'm not sure if you guys saw the game against Dynamo Kiev. On paper, Porto was supposed to win that game. And I think what I saw on the field was a team that came out and they looked more confident than they should have because I thought that... In their head, I thought they thought it might have been an easier game than they expected, and Kev was just phenomenal, and I think they totally deserved that result. And now, thanks to, thanks in part to that, Porto is now in trouble, and they need to get a result, or as you said, they they might need help from from the other Israeli team, uh, Tel Aviv. Yeah. So that was a big mistake. I think they blew it there. They should have gotten something out of that, and they didn't. Yeah, and um, yeah, Portos. I I thought they were you know walked into the second place, but 
So pretty much the only way flow that Chelsea does not advance is if Dynamo beat Dynamo beat Tel Aviv and we lose. Yeah. So if Porto wins and Dynamo wins, then Chelsea is out. Not happening. No. <laughs> you're, you're, if that happens, are you ready to fire your boy Mourinho? Hmm. Unless we got a good replacement, no. No. <laughs> I heard. Uh, oh yeah. Well, Piojo just got fired, hired, so I guess he's out. So yeah. <laughs> you would have been perfect. He would have played uh, Davila. <laughs> <laughs> he would have recalled him from his loan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Europa League. We have one Mexican in the Europa League. We got Jonah Dos Santos, and Villarreal is going to advance regardless. They've they've gone through the next round. Um, have you have you guys seen? Uh, I mean, I don't really. Has anyone really watched the Europa League? No, no, not this season. No, I might have to now. Now the Arsenal, yeah, could be eliminated. <laughs> but no, uh, it's it's weird because. I think most people don't really pay attention to Europa League until the knockout stage, or yeah. or at least quarter and semifinals stuff like that. But at least I don't until you know it gets a bit better. No, I agree. I'm not. I don't really pay attention. I mean, I'll, I'll watch if Jonah's playing, but besides that, I don't know. There's not, and a lot of teams don't really try that hard, you know. Yeah. The center B squad until the knockout rounds, pretty much. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Jonah, but Jonah's advanced. He's playing well. He's gonna advance, so that's good. And maybe Chicharito will be in there. I don't know. Yep. But um, yeah. Well, let's just talk about just move into the Europeos update. Chicharito, who the hell saw this coming? He's got twelve goals in seventeen games. He had seven games in a row where he scored, and then this past weekend he didn't score. But I mean, he got the he got the that own goal. He calls that own goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Brian? You think, you think he's found his home, Brian? You think he's, he's going to stay there for – you think he's going to see out his contract three years? I really hope so because, I mean, that's a young team. Um, and they got a lot of talent. And if he stay, he he's on fire. I mean, if he's not scoring goals, he's making the defenders score the goals for him. So, <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, he, he's looking like he's on fire again. Uh, I, don't, I, I was hating all that uncertainty where – he was in uh, England. Um, it just, I don't know, a lot of scrutiny on him. And he finally found a place where he can do what he needs to do. And he, we can see in the stats, he's, uh, he just needs to kind of carry that over to the national team because he looks like he was trying a little bit too hard. But especially when he got a not as high quality opponent like El Salvador. But when he came back to the Bundesliga he's in, in the Champions League, he's back where he needs to be. So he's looking good. I know uh, Flo's been tweeting at EA Sports every week trying to get an <laughs> informed Chicharito <laughs> card, but not, not yet, Flo, right? Have you checked? Have you checked with your sources over at EA Sports? No, not yet. And unfortunately, he didn't really score this week, so he's not, it's not going to happen this week. I think last time I, I went off on a tirade on EA Sports about <laughs> Chicharito, I think I got about 20 favorites on that tweet. So <laughs> I have followers. <laughs> Just keep bringing the heat. Let them know. Let them know what the people want. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he's been playing well. Like I've been, I've watched every single one of their games. 
you know, the games are usually like 8.30 central time, so I get up, make some huevos con chorizo, you know, watch the game. Some papa and chorizo. Oh, man, getting hungry right now, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been nice. I mean, Rafa, are you expecting this? Hot streak? Well, we all, we all knew the kind of striker he was. Or, I mean, personally, I, I always rated Chicharito highly. I thought he was just a pure finisher, and he's showing that at Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, I've, you know, it's hard for, for some of us in the West Coast to wake up at 6.30 a.m. to watch these games. But when I do, I'm pleasantly surprised, not by Chichar- not just by Chicharito, but the level of play in the Bundesliga is very high. Uh, I think a lot of people don't know that. They, it sometimes get, gets overlooked by La Liga and the Premier League, but the level of play in the Bundesliga, you can't envy it whatsoever. Uh, it's phenomenal league. Everybody there plays attacking football. It's a great league. I urge people to watch it. Uh, and I think Chicharito, if you ask that question to me, I think Chicharito found, found a home at Bayer Leverkusen. And I certainly do hope that he stays there for the three years. Uh, he, he's just a phenomenal part. He's, he's in finally the key part of a team. Uh, he's surrounded by teammates who who are more geared towards passing the ball and sending crosses into a box, which fits Chicharito perfectly. Uh, we've talked before extensively of Chalanoglu, who I think is a great player. Oh, he's so uh, good. He is just yeah. on the ball. And uh, Campbell, too. Campbell is yeah. so shifty. And the one thing I've noticed when I watch him, it's like the team looks for him. Like the wingers or anyone else looks up and like, hey, where's Chicharito? Like I know yeah. he's going to make a run. So it's like, let me look for him first. I think this Sunday was Bellarabi, who, yeah. who I think was playing on the left, and he was just you know, running up and down, sending in crosses. It was one of the tougher games for Chicharito, d- despite getting that lucky bounce for the own goal. Uh, but they're looking for him, and that that means a lot if if you are Chicharito, uh, because you come from a team like Manchester United, where uh, it it doesn't the players are not going to go out and say you know I, I don't trust Chicharito. But when you see it on the field, it's not like Rooney was sending in crosses for Chicharito. You know, uh, it it wasn't a team that that played. A, uh, around Chicharito per se, uh, as opposed to this Bayer Leverkusen team, uh, where you guys got you have guys like Bellarabi, like Chalanoglu, like Memedi, who go ahead and, and are used to this style of play, where they grab the ball, try try to look for somebody inside the box uh, to do the to do the job, which is score the goal. Uh, and Chicharito just fell brilliantly into the plans of uh, of the coach and. If you're a Mexico fan, you're, you're definitely happy that it's been working out great for him. Yeah, I'm just excited he's playing. No more getting up in the morning just to check. Oh, did he make the game day roster today? Did he make exactly. The now it's like now I'm starting. Now I'm on, now I'm the opposite side. Oh man, maybe they should rest him for Champions League. <laughs> but yeah, I'm ex- it's and I know you're saying that you're talking of the Bundesliga. There's one thing I don't like about the Bundesliga, and one thing only. Bayern, Bayern Munich, they're like 20 oh, points yeah. ahead. They're going to clinch oh. this thing before like, before Easter. Like, it's... Yeah. But it's more credit to them. They're just that oh, I good that... I know, I know. But... They, I mean, I was looking at this Schalke team who they played on the weekend, and I was amazed. They had some really talented players. Uh, I think they had... I'm not sure if he's 18 or 19 years old, that mayor kid. Yeah. He, he, he was great. Yeah. He was great. He was the heart of that team. I know there was that that winger. I think uh, I know I'm gonna butcher his name. It's uh, Chupomutin, I think. Yeah, Chupomutin or something like that. Yeah. Who played for 
he was actually for playing for Cameroon against Mexico in the World Cup. He didn't do very much. I thought he was very disappointing in that game. Uh, I think it was played in northeastern Brazil. I think it was the first group stage game against Cameroon. I thought he was quite disappointing. But he was just tearing Bayer Leverkusen apart yeah. on Sunday. He looked like Cristiano Ronaldo there. Yeah. I'm serious. He and was the, that good. The thing that Bundesliga has going for is that it was perfect timing. They got the new TV deal with Fox. Yeah. So every yeah, game, like anytime you want to see Bundesliga, it's just go on Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2. Yeah. And by yeah. and by love because in Chicharito are just boosting those ratings by the way. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. you guys, Flo, you saw the that article right where they were talking about the the guy who was talking about you, get, you know every the highest games on ESP or on Fox Deportes are all Bayer Leverkusen games. Yeah, even if you look at the the highest rated games period that are watched on any network, the, the Bayer Leverkusen seems to always make the top ten somehow. <laughs> yeah, which just goes to show how popular Chicharito is. And the Fox deal, how good it's been for the Bundesliga. I mean, people are finally seeing just how exciting Dortmund is to watch every single week. They're one of the most exciting teams to watch in the world. Yeah, it's, a, it's a fun league. And, you know, like you said, the TV deal, everything just is just perfect. Because if this would have happened last season, Chicharito would have gone there. I would have been like a pain in the ass to try to watch a game. Yeah, you would have to pay like an extra $10 for like gold TV or something. Yeah. And we all know we wouldn't have paid the ten bucks. We all would have streamed it. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, like like Bayer Leverkusen, they're two they're two points out of a Champions League spot. They're nineteen points behind Bayern Munich. Jeez. And Bayer only Bayer has like twenty one points this season. Bayern already has forty. Oh man, it's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Well, from Bundesliga to uh, Porto. We got the we got Port Tree, we got yeah. we got Herrera, Layun, Corona, we even got Gudinho, we got Goveo, or Govea, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday they had like some big event they have every year, Porto did and uh, Herrera won a Player of the Year for Porto. I was I was a little surprised, a little surprised. Well, it's probably dating back to, you know, that Champions League run. At least they recognized it. Oh know? yeah, they did, but. I mean, he's not really done anything since uh-huh. since September for them. No, but, not really. But I mean, they they all talked his importance to the team. Yeah, they're talking about how how positive he is, whether he's on the field or on the bench. Yeah. I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> well, he's got like a, what fifty fifty million euro release clause, so. Whew. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere, and I don't want him to go anywhere. He's good there. No. He's good there. It's a good club. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, how do you guys feel about Tecatito not really playing that much lately, though? He's kind of just been... I don't even, He didn't even make the bench last game. No, he didn't. Like, I mean, I was surprised when he started... He As soon as he got transferred, he was, like, taking corner kicks, free kicks. He was starting. He had, like, a brace. So I was like, damn, he hit the ground running. But last month, it's kind of been like, hey, just stay on the bench. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think. Andre, go ahead. Okay, well, I think he needs to rest, and recognizes that. I, I'm not exactly well, shocked. Well, the thing with Porto, I've noticed because they have a bunch of games in the next like yeah. four or five weeks because they got Champions League, they got league play, they got cup games, but they have they have to make up one league game. They're one league game behind everyone else because their game got what. Fogged out, 
I think they couldn't land on. Yeah, they couldn't land. They couldn't land on Madero. Yeah. So they think I think they had like three games in like eight days at one point. So, I mean, they're, they're gonna play, but yeah, like go on, Rafa. You're saying you, you think he needs to rest? Yeah, he needs to rest. We talked about Lopetegui and how he's more of the Osorio kind of coach nowadays, a modern coach, which recognizes when a player needs rest. This has been spoken a lot about Hector Herrera as well, how people within the coaching staff of Lopetegui have gone and said, you know, this guy has played every single tournament for Mexico for the past few years. He needs a rest. He, he's been playing since the Olympics. Uh, at some point, you know, his legs have to are going to give in. He's more prone towards uh, getting a big injury and something like that. But at the same time, Porto has the luxury of rotating players because their squad is just a lot better than this, most of the squads in, in the Portuguese league. And, uh, I know they have Teo, who a lot of Porto fans are iffy about, but he's done quite well. They got Neves, lately. man. Oof. Neves, oh, well, Neves is just, you know, he's one for the future. Yeah. He, he's going to be Portuguese international if he isn't already. And we, we got Flo over there. Chelsea's salivating and trying to steal him. Oh yeah, that guy's gonna be sold for yeah, 50, quite a bit. Fifty million. He's special. Yeah, he's gonna be good. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, they're gonna. Tecatito's gonna play. I mean, they have tons of a ton of games coming up. Um, like you and like you's every day left just left back. Plug him in there. Yeah. And I'm Always. sure none of you, Flo, do you think he's going to, obviously, you think he's going to stay there. You're not, you don't think he's going back to Wofford, do you? No, I think he's made it pretty pretty obvious or pretty public that he wants to stay in Porto. And it seems like the Watford fans are already saying, we'll keep him. <laughs> they, it seems like they're already done with him. <laughs> well, it's because some fans think that he wanted, you know, he was like, you know, like, he wanted to leave that badly or whatever. But, I mean, it's worked out for him. I mean, it's not like he, he left. Watford to go sit on the bench somewhere. Yeah, he's playing regularly. I think it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Tecatito plays against Chelsea, though, since he didn't even make the bench this past weekend. And Adela was the captain and played uh, 90 minutes. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was nice. That's a good point. When when was the last time we saw a Mexican international score a big goal against a big team? Do you guys remember? Like in Champions League play? Uh, Chicharito uh, against Atletico Madrid last year. So yeah, that's summer true. Yeah. Who did Hector? Yeah, I remember Hector scored against big United. Goal. Against United this year was that last season? No, that was this season against uh, PSV. Moreno, Hector Moreno. Yeah, so Moreno. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Tecatito against Chelsea would be massive as well. Yeah. Scoring a goal against Chelsea. I you know he'll have Man City wanting to spend even more money for him. <laughs> Yeah, well, Man City got all that Chinese money today. <laughs> they got some. They got like two hundred million, I think, right? Yeah, for like no, they got like it was like closer to four hundred million for like fourteen percent or something like that. That's crazy. Anyways, uh, um, all right, let's move over to La Liga. We got Real Sociedad, seventeenth place, one point above the relegation zone. They got Vela, who I keep hearing is going to go to MLS soon. And then we have Diego Reyes, who hasn't really played the last couple of weeks. I don't know why. Yeah, he didn't play against Barcelona. I was pretty disappointed in that. Yeah. Rafa, do you have any insight into like the new manager out there? For Sal- Real Sociedad? Yeah. 
Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. I, I haven't been oh, keeping got, up with. Oh, they got uh, Eusebio, some guy. Yeah, ever yeah. since they brought him in, like Reyes hasn't played. Vela. The the problem with Real Sociedad is they're just they're just not talented enough. I don't know if you guys watch a lot of their games, but I watch as many as a lot of their games, and they're just not as good as the other teams are playing. Well, I'll say one thing: it's the change of coach doesn't really favor the players that he that uh, David Moyes brought in, which was Diego Reyes, uh, because it's just a new coach. Uh, he wasn't really he was basically just brought in by the manager beforehand. Uh, and this new manager comes in, and he might just have a t- completely different perspective on that player. So I can see why Diego Reyes is not starting. I hope it's not permanent, and maybe he impresses during training or something. But it's it's tough when there's that change of manager. As for Vela, I think we don't really need to talk much about Vela and Real Sociedad. We know how vital he is to that team. We know how good he is. But yeah, those those rumors of him going to MLS, I don't know. I don't think I he's my... going to go. I don't think he's going to go to MLS, but I, I will say he will use that as other people have used it in the past to get a move somewhere else. I hope uh, you're right. Yeah, right? I mean, don't you agree, Brian? You think he's going to do... I mean, Chicharito had all these rumors. Oh, he's going to go MLS, MLS. And well, yeah. Bayer came in and gave him a deal, and he's like, all right, yeah, adios. Thank God. Thank God. I, I never... <laughs> I never believed the Chicharito rumors. I believed the Vela rumors. Yeah. Yeah, Vela's a weird dude. Everything I've heard, he's just... He's a different guy. I don't, <laughs> I don't care how weird he is. There's no way in hell he's going to play for Colorado Rapids at MLS. <laughs> yeah, that would be... That'd be something. Like, I follow MLS. There's no way he's going to go there. Just none. I mean, I don't care if they have the same owner as Arsenal. He's He's not going to go there. I just, I just think it's really interesting that they're, the MLS is that interested in the Mexican players right now. I, I don't know. I just it's like this weird phenomenon that all of a sudden, like Mexican Mexican player will get a nice rumor going for a nice club, and then here's two MLS clubs like pitching something. It's just like what the heck? This is not. Well, this is not <laughs> Rafa, did you see the uptick in the amount of people who cared about Galaxy once they signed Gio? Oh. oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, I, but I, the thing with Vela, he's not as popular as Gio or Chicharito because he was away with the national, away from the national team for so long. So he doesn't bring that cachet. The oh, we, this you know Mexican international, you know, that's what I think. I don't think he brings as much as uh, Gio does from a marketing standpoint. I'll say one thing about Vela. I don't think he's. Uh... I'm not a fan of Vela, to be honest, in terms of his outlook towards the game. Oh, he's no. One, he's he, guy who's, he's, he said it before. He's like, football is not my life. You know, he's like said exactly. that a couple, a couple times. And I think that that sort of shows in his demeanor towards these type of situations. He's sort of the guy who I can see putting money first instead of exactly where he plays. And I think the excuse he's given or what we've seen in media is that he said that you know, he, he needs to be closer to family. The U.S. can can provide that sort of bridge mm-hmm. close to Mexico where he can go ahead and visit family and stuff like that. Uh, but his mentality has just never been there. Uh, this coming from an Arsenal fan, I, I, you know, I saw him grow up at Arsenal. And um, I think Arsene Wenger saw that. He, he knew that there wasn't enough space for him at the team, but at the same time, his mentality was just never there. 
Uh, Vela was never the kind of player who could challenge Van Persie, for example, for the starting lineup. Uh, he just never believed he could. And they shipped him off, and he, again, he had he was very successful in Spain. And now at Real Sociedad, he's taking this leadership role, and he's sort of... I think he has mixed feelings about it. He he enjoys the limelight. He enjoys being, you know, talk of the town, being the best player, the captain at times. But he'd be okay with moving to MLS. I think if he yes. had a better team around him, because I, I watched Real Sociedad a couple years ago where they had Griezmann. Yeah, that was a fun team to watch. That was the season where he was voted one. Of, he was voted the best forward in La Liga. Yeah, that was he was having fun, but like once Griezmann and all his boys left, and he had nobody. It's uh, I I can see why he would want to leave Real Sociedad. I, I can always... see. Go ahead. And I can see your point about the whole being media friendly, being just marketable, because when Giovanni Dos Santos came here, again I I went to most home games. I was there at the trainings and stuff like that, and Giovanni Dos Santos had to you know, forget everything about being the star he is. He had to go ahead and be in front of media every single day yep. and give words. It, no excuse whatsoever. It doesn't matter if you know you dated Belinda and you're you're hot back in Mexico. You have to every training. You have to go in front of media, in front of cameras, and give your opinion on the next game. It has to be like that. Can we really see Vela doing that? I don't. <laughs> I mean, I can see Vela going to like some Miami Heat games and stuff, hanging out with LeBron, but you know. He's already done that. I know. He's probably <laughs> just waiting for Beckham to get his shit together so he can go hang out there in Little Havana. <laughs> hey, if he if he wants to go to MLS, I just would rather him wait till the next. Well, if he decides to play the next World Cup, and then you can go. I, I think he needs to stay at a high level um, because I mean, like like he, he has said weird things about how soccer is not his number one sport, but then he'll say something about how he wants to be a champion with Mexico. So if he's, if he, that he really means that, I think he needs to stay at a really high level. Well, he needs to get in a better situation if he is going to stay in Europe because it doesn't seem like he's enjoying himself, and I think that's part of the poor form that he's in right now. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just bring it back to the fact that he is the best attacking player on a team that's above the relegation zone. So if you're another, any other team in La Liga, what, what's your game plan? Oh, just take out Vela. Yeah. Like, like we. I mean, for the last, even when he was on a better on a better squad, he was still leading La Liga in fouls. Like he was getting hacked every game. But uh, on the flip side, Reyes. I don't know why he's not playing. I mean, he was he, the first six weeks of the season. He was one of the better center backs in La Liga. I mean, that team was doing bad, but they weren't giving. They weren't leaking that many goals, but. I, I still think it's been a successful loan for Reyes. I think it's been a good move for him. What do you think, Brad, on Reyes? Yeah, I mean, didn't he didn't he get, I, I don't know exactly what site it was on, but didn't he get put on the uh, best 11, uh, yeah. like, a couple, you know, in, after one of those games? I mean, for a couple of games, like he was, who scored? Yeah, yeah, like, that website, who scored, has, has him as one of the best center backs in La Liga. Yes. For the first, like, six weeks, I think it was. I mean, he was doing his job, and uh, he was getting confident, and and then when he came to Mexico to play, um, you know, against El Salvador, and then go to Honduras, he he was never a liability. I mean, he he knows exactly what he's doing. So I yeah, I was I was surprised when his name is on the bench, and I'm like, that's just. It's, and it's not like they like 
Real Sociedad has all these players. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I can see him sitting behind. No, it's like it's Real Sociedad. They're 17th place. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's not like he's at Porto where it's like, okay, he's at Porto. I can see him not getting that many minutes, you know? Yeah, he got, he got, uh, I think he got ripped off there on that, that Bayern Munich game. Oh, let's not even go there, man. We talked about that. Oh, that was a bloodbath. Yeah. I watched it unfold, and I was just like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't, like, quit football after this. Yeah, that was a scary, scary game. Yeah, and that was, and that was, like, people were pissed, not even so much as him, but, like, Porto fans were mad at Lopetegui. Like, they're like, what are you doing putting that lineup out there? <laughs> it was bad. Oh. It was bad. Moving forward. <laughs> uh, well, moving on to pretty much just as bad a situation. Rafa Marquez at Hellas Verona. They just fired their coach, new coach, and they literally I, – I didn't notice how bad they were, but they only have six points from 14 games. And if they go down, I definitely don't see Rafa sticking around next season. <laughs> no. But, I mean, like, we should be moving away from Rafa. But, Flo, you think Mexico is ready to move on? Or you think they're going to keep him around? as an option for future qualifiers? Um, I think that depends on the coach and the manager. Um, I, I hope we, uh, we move away. You know, he's still, he's still a good player, especially when we try to play five in the back. Um, you know, he's awesome when we try to play five in the back, you know, just picking out those passes from the back, but it's time to move on. We need to find that new leader. And Moreno, Moreno impressed me these last two games. I think he can he can take that lead. If you can play Moreno and Reyes in the back, I mean, I, I really hope we we play four in the back instead of five in the back like we have been. I mean, I don't I don't see us playing five in the back. Like I don't like us playing five in the back if we don't have Rafa Marquez. It seems to not work as well. Mm. But Diego or Diego Reyes has been the heir apparent for the last four years, so. We'll see if he steps it up and makes that spot his own. Yep. Well, and you know, Guardado's really taking over, like we were talking about on that captain. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. And you know, Rafa just won the um, that Confederation Cup match, the the ticket to the Confederations Cup. I mean, he's, he kind of, he, if he wanted to, he could leave on a high note. But I mean, you know, what 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 else could we use him for? Is he going to go to Confed Cup? I what mean, what about uh, the Olympics? That's that was another thing I was going to bring up. I mean, if he really wants to, you know, give it a go, maybe that's maybe that could be his last, you know, showing. For the well, the match. thing with the Olympics is it runs. It, I think it pretty much runs concurrent or right after Copa America. So mm-hmm. if we're going to have three overage players. I wouldn't mind sending Rafa out there. He's earned it, you know. Sure. I can see that happening. Um, yeah, we got a question on that from followers. We'll do that at the end of the, at the end of the show. Um, from Rafa Marquez to Raul Jimenez, the much maligned Raul Jimenez. I mean, Rafa, what's did you, what do you think of what do you think? I know we've talked a lot about this that he does all the little things, and we can see why managers keep putting him out there. But we both agreed he needs to score goals, and that's what he did. Yeah, you, you got it absolutely right. Even if you go back to the Honduras game, uh, I know a lot of people are not going to agree with me. But I think Raul Jimenez had an above-average game. He missed the only chance he had, which pretty much cost Mexico the first goal. But uh, every little thing, we talk extensively about this, how he's just very good at He's very coachable. He's a guy where you tell him what to do, and he'll do it, and he'll do it really good. He does 
all the small things on the field. He he just makes everybody around him better, but he just doesn't score goals. And I, I was happy to see that he did get two goals at, uh, in the Champions League. So uh, unfortunately, he didn't get to start this last, uh, was it Monday? Uh, Mitroglu, who's been struggling for fitness, I think he's finally got the 100% fit and went ahead and got the start before him. I think Raul Jimenez played the last four uh 30 minutes or so, 35 minutes. Yep. And, um, you know, it's going to be like that for Raul Jimenez. He just needs to start scoring goals. Uh, It doesn't matter. He needs to start getting into positions to score goals. Uh, I think, to be honest, he needs to watch more Chicharito. He he (laughs) needs to get into the right positions to to score goals. That's that's his only problem. Uh, If he ever manages to score goals, he's going to be a great great player uh, but I just don't know with Raul I don't know either but it's it's nice to see him get some get some goals out there like yeah because like he does everything he does all the little things he does he ch- chases down goalkeeper you know he, he pins the fullbacks in the corners when they got the yeah. ball yeah but I, I think it's been a positive move for him going to Benfica though over Atletico Madrid but you, you also have to understand the only time where he actually started scoring goals was late into his Club America career, uh, right before he left to Atletico Madrid, uh, and partly because America had no other forwards. They had well, they had what's his, the Ecuadorian that passed away. What's his name? Benitez, Chucho Benitez. Yep, Chucho. Him and Chucho yeah. played really well together. Yeah, uh, because they just fed off each other. It, it was a brilliant combination, uh, but. Going into Atletico Madrid, we know what Atletico Madrid is. They, they have brilliant players around them. Uh, Raul Jimenez was never going to be exactly the focal point of Atletico Madrid. Then you go to Benfica, you have guys like Jonas, you have guys like Nico Gaetan, who we've also talked about how just how good Nico Gaetan is. Uh, it's it's hard because Benfica is never going to build a team around Raul Jimenez. Uh, and he's the kind of player who I think if you give him the chance he might respond but when you have guys like Nico Gaetan and Jonas in your team you really don't but have it, to it seems like he's only competing that. with uh, Mitroglou for for minutes at that tar- quote yeah, unquote target forward but Mitroglou is more of a target guy yeah uh, he doesn't per se Benfica does, don't need a guy like Raul Jimenez doing the, the little work because you already have guys like Jonas Nico Gaetan uh, Guedes which I think is might be who's just been great for Benfica. I think he's eighteen or nineteen years old, if if that. Uh, he's another one of those youngsters uh, in the Portuguese league to uh, to keep it, keep an eye out for. We already talked about Ruben Neves, um, but you know it, it's just a matter of somebody giving him a chance, somebody trusting him, like like Miguel Herrera did. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon, but it's certainly not going to help. If he doesn't score goals, that's the only thing I ask for him right now: score goals. Yeah, I mean he's been scoring. Like he scored these two goals, but no, he needs to score goals on a consistent consistent basis. basis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up. Europeos, PSV, third in the league, four points behind first place. Guardado, he's he's a vice captain there. Moreno, Moreno, and Guardado, I think are like one of the first guys they pencil in the starting lineup every week. Like. 
that's uh, they're a fun team to watch. I, I don't know if you guys watched the Air Divisie a lot, but it's just a lot of goals back and forth. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, they're they did, I I watched the uh, game they had um, where Guardiola scored that free kick. Oof. Great, great game. Um, well, it was great, but then they kind of slipped up there. But um, and then of course when they went to play in the Champions League, I would say Guardiola was the best player at least for PSV in that um, in that game against uh, Manchester because he did everything right and. Um, yeah, the, I think those two are, need to stay where they're at with PSV because when they they transfer everything over with their momentum, so I'm fine with them there. Yeah, Flo, you were a fan of the move from Moreno to go out to PSV, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, I think he's playing awesome at, at PSV. I watched the game this past weekend. Um, he he was awesome on that back line. He was making clearances. And I think he's picking up things from Guardado because he was trying an unusual amount of long balls for, from what I normally see from him. He was just kicking the ball all over the pitch. His long balls weren't as good. <laughs> A lot of them got intercepted, but you can see that he's actually trying to maybe add things to his game. Um, so I think it's working out great. Guardado, like always in the form of his life, and um, Moreno's just, just a rock in that back line. They're even hooking up. A few weeks ago, they had that that Guardado assist to Moreno, so it, it's it's working out. Speaking of rocks, I'm pretty sure Moreno got engaged today. BT Dubs. <laughs> I think we got a we had a question saying, "Is he gonna have time for a honeymoon?" <laughs> Not until after the Champions League final. Ah. <laughs> um, I guess real quick, Alan Polito. I don't. I really don't know what to think of him. He's making the bench. He's not going to play. Is he going to come back to Mexico? Do, do Chivas own his rights? <sighs> Who knows? Mm. There's like nothing to go on Polito besides that he makes the bench and he played one time. Yeah. <laughs> and he might be partly owned by Chivas. Yeah. Um, speaking of not playing, we got Memo Ochoa. He is allegedly set to play to make the start this Thursday in Copa del Rey. Yes, and if he wants to see any more playing time, he, they they literally have to win this game. Otherwise, he's done for the season. <laughs> uh, rough. Yeah, do you guys think he's gonna get any more call ups, Brian? You think he's done till he moves in January, hopefully, or you think uh, Orsoyo's gonna call him up? Uh, it's really hard to say. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, he obviously likes Ochoa, and you, we saw what he did in the World Cup, so I think Osorio knows what he can do, but I don't know. It's, it's it's hard to argue when someone's getting regular playing time, which is Munoz and Talavera. Um so yeah, it's it's he's gotta he's gotta get on the field. And I'm a big memo Ochoa fan, but when he's not playing I, I can't defend him really to to get a starting spot there. So it's it's difficult. Yeah. Well, speaking of Talavera, we got the Liga MX playoffs Thursday and Sunday. We got Tigres versus Toluca. Let's just go down and just make some picks. Brian, who you got? Tigres, Toluca. Uh, Tigres in that one. That was, that was resounding, resounding Tigres. Um, <laughs> Flo? Tigres. Rafa? Tigres. <laughs> Man. All right, well, let's go to the one everyone's going to focus on, in this, at least in this podcast. <laughs> Club America versus Pumas. Oh, by the way, I do have Tigers as well. <laughs> oh. 
Um, Brian, who you got, Club America or Pumas? Uh, I I have to go with Club America, but uh, it's just gonna, it's going to be a good matchup. That's all I got to say. Rafa, tell me why Brian is wrong. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's <laughs> to to be honest, uh, those who know me know I'm a Pumas fan, but I think it's a tough matchup for Pumas. Uh, I honestly, my head says America goes through. Oof. To be honest. Flo, I'd ask you, but you're a Chivas fan, so I know you're going for Pumas. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think I think they take it based on the strength of how awesome their kid is. <laughs> it's true. I do love that kid. I think. All right. Well, if you guys, so we pretty much have Tigres versus the winner of Club America versus Pumas. Who do you think is going to win it all, Brian? If you had to make a choice right now. Uh. I don't know. That's a strong Tigres uh, team. I'm going to go with them, unfortunately, for being a Club America fan. Flo, who's your pick? Um, yeah, uh, I, I kind of want to say Tigres just because uh, um, Guignac, he's, he's in great form. I'll go with Pumas. Rafa, you going with Pumas? You going with Club America, Tigres? Who's well, your pick? I think the U.S. is taking it all, to be honest. I'm just going to throw everything out there and say the U.S. is going to win. If and only if they yeah, won Pumas. To, yeah, we might need to revise that question after this, this couple of games. <laughs> I, I might change my mind. <laughs> well, I think I have a certain formula, personal formula, to who's going to win the Liga mix. I think the only team who doesn't have a chance of winning it is Toluca. Pretty much. But I'll say this. If Tigres avoid Pumas in the final, Tigres wins. If Pumas avoids, well, if Pumas beats America, then Pumas wins the league title. Uh, and if America, I just, yeah, basically, if America goes ahead and and avoids Tigres, they're going to win the league title. That's my formula. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, but it's out there. That's my prediction. I think Tigers is going to win it. Club America fan, but I think Tigers takes it. And Tuca, Tuca wins another trophy. Okay. All right, well, let's go to questions we got from people. Uh, we kind of talked about this earlier, but who do you see as the most crucial set of players for El Tri as they search to de- defend their Olympic gold? I, I will answer this question considering that I think the A, t- quote-unquote, the A team is going to go to... Uh, Copa America. <clears throat> so I think the the crucial part of the crucial set of players is going to be the overage players. I think Mexico. I mean, they're loaded youth youth wise, but I think they need that leadership that Salcido and Corona and uh, Oribe brought in London. So I think it's going to be tough to see who they bring up as those three overage players because it's pretty much going to be whoever doesn't make the Copa America squad. So I don't know. Who, who do you see? How are you going to answer this question, Brian? Well, I mean, I agree with you. I think we're going to try to go uh, and w- try to do our best in that Copa America since those two previous cups did not go good for us. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's tough to say. Um, we have a lot of good youth, um, and I think, you know, we, we might need to, like, like we were saying, we might need to bring a guy like 
Rafa in there um, who can give a direction. Um, I'm not quite sure where, where, where else we could bring somebody. Like, who's a, who's a striker we could bring? Um, like, I think I guess it all depends on the eighteen. How things, yeah, it all depends on how things are going up to that point because uh, we still got World Cup qualifications in March. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, but um, yeah, because I really think that we need to take care of that Copa America because it's been a little bit dis- disappointing recently. Yeah. Flo? Um, overage players? Is that what you're asking me? Well, I'm just asking, who do you think is going to be crucial for Mexico to defend their titles? I'm thinking it's going to be the overage players, but you probably think it's Chucky. Yeah, Chucky. <laughs> I think Chucky has to have an outstanding tournament. Um, I think he has to play well. Like European teams have to be all over him after after the tournament if we're gonna have a chance to defend our title. Um, as far as the overage players, I'm not sure. What do you think of What do you think about Geo? Since he's not really getting called up for the for the main team these uh, days. I don't know, man. That's that's a long ways away. I think he's gonna get called up to the A team. Someone who I think could play on the Olympic team is Lalo Herrera, because he's kind of mm-hmm. like that second tier. Like Mexican striker, like I don't think you're gonna, you know, he would he would get a lot of minutes on the senior team, you know, the A team, but like I think he could do well for the, the Olympics. You know, he could be like a striker. We have too many strikers that are supposedly A team strikers. I mean, one of them have Oribe. Is he gonna try to go back to the Olympics again or what? <laughs> I don't know, Rafa. You're laughing, but what do you think? <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think the two. The two main positions where that team is lacking players is one, the striker, uh, and I don't think we're going to get anybody like Raul Jimenez or Chicharito playing in the Olympics, that's for no, sure. Yeah. Uh, so Eduardo Herrera looks like a guy who, who could be a good fit. Uh, again, they do need a, a striker, a presence up there, because as good as Marco Bueno and Cubo Torres are, they, I don't think they have the potential right now to... Know, lead a tournament in goal scoring or anything like that. Uh, I think Herrera can bring that sort of extra uh, strength and height up in up front. Yeah. Uh, and the other position we've extensively talked about that sometimes gets overlooked is Mexico desperately need a, a defensive-minded midfielder. Yep. Uh, we have Guardado. We have uh, that's Guardado on the left. We have even youngsters like Eric Gutierrez who can sit deep. Uh, and play on the left, but there's nobody on the right who can do that. We have Hector Herrera, but he's not very good defensively at times. Uh, that's the reason why Osorio called in uh, Castro from Pumas because Castro's more more defensive minded. Uh, and I know that that young L3 side plays with uh, Van Ranking as a defensive midfielder on that right side. And we also talked about that other, I think he's at Chivas or Pachuca, I'm not sure, Victor Guzman, uh, who's also played. Uh, played there for a while. He was just all over the place with Potro Gutierrez. Uh, there's somebody there that has to be able to play that that right midfield, that right central midfielder position with defensive qualities because that's something that team that team lacks. I don't think Jose Van Rankin brings it. I don't think Guzman brings it. Uh, there has to be a player out there. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. Out of the top of my head, I, I can't. Nobody comes to mind. Uh, but I know in this past Olympic uh, Olympics, it was Salcido. If you yep. guys recall, yep. well, we had we basically had a striker, a defender, and a goalie. Yeah, 
And one thing to remember with the Olympic squad is you only bring 19 guys, I think. So you need to have guys who can flexible and play different positions. But to answer the question, for me, it's it has to be uh, Salcedo, who, who I think they might skip him for the Copa America. Yep, I, think I, can see that. Pro- yep. I think there's a process behind Salcedo. I think they're being really, really, really patient with him. And he might play that Olympics rather than Copa America. Well, I, I think and, the emergence of, uh, well, not necessarily the emergence, but the consistency of Diego Reyes kind of let Mexico take their time with uh, Salcedo. And the other, the other thing that we have to take into consideration is now with Osorio in charge, he's not a guy like Miguel Herrera who's going to play Diego Reyes on the left side or, you know, Carlos Salcedo who plays on the left side at Chivas. There's no chance he's going to play on the left side with the Mexico national team. So that really, you know, closes the door for him in terms of right-sided central defenders because we have Ayala in there. We have uh, Rafa Marquez if he's going to be there. Uh, there's Diego Reyes who can do that. Uh, it's sort of tough for Carlos Acevedo to to break in uh, and start or even make the bench because we have those kind of players already in place. Uh, so I do see Carlos Acevedo going to the Olympics. Uh, the other guy you mentioned was Irving Lozano. I think that guy's a given. Uh, and Eric Gutierrez, who who has not shown as much this or didn't show as much this season. Nope, not at all. And he needs to get back into it. I think he was bothered a bit by injuries. Uh, he needs his rest as well. He's he's a player who who already has a couple games under his belt as a professional. He's only 19, 20 years old. Uh, it, it does carry over for for a youngster like that. People don't people think that you know you're 19 and you can take over the world, but you know it's tough. Yeah. Uh, he he needs some rest and. We'll see how it goes for him next season with yeah. Pachuca. Well, speaking of youngsters, next question we got is, who do you think has a better chance of being Mexico's next big goalkeeper? Guidinho, Donio, or Jesse Gonzalez? Uh, Flo, since you're kind of close to this, you got your boy Donio. Who do you think? Um, I wrote down Guidinho. But I'd say Donio to me is a close second. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Coutinho's, I think Coutinho is being perfectly groomed at Porto. You know, he starts all the B games. He comes up for train. He trains with the first team, and you know, I think if I'm not sure, I think Helton has a two-year contract. That their backup goalie, who's been there for like ever, but I think they're going to slowly start transitioning to Coutinho next year as maybe like the backup. As opposed to the third string, but I think he's being groomed perfectly at Porto. Brian, who do you think out of those three? Yeah, I think it's Budinho. I think he has the uh, best ceiling on that. Um, on the, out of those three, um, yeah. If if I had to pick, it, it would be Budinho for sure. Rafa, are you gonna make it a clean sweep? Yeah, I'll probably say Budinho as well. Uh, although Donio Rodriguez is is a better goalkeeper at the moment, just because yeah. he has what four years ahead of him. He's 23. So but that will even out eventually. And Gudinho's, like Brian said, he just has a higher ceiling. He has more potential. Uh, he can be one of the best. Yep. Maybe I'm exaggerating or not, but 
we talked about this in the last podcast how he's his physique is very similar to the top goalkeepers in the world like Neuer like Courtois Uh, he's that kind of presence you want under the goalpost yep um we kind of talked about Vela already uh last question one of the last questions I got before we started recording was uh of course Chivas fans um it was like a question in terms of you know how Vergara always says, "Oh, they're coming. They're you know the we got people coming. We got people coming." Well, how do you how do you think it's going to be? Are they going to bring people in, or is it going to be all talk and they're just not going to bring as many players as they need as reinforcements? Yeah, I think we talked about that in the last episode. I don't yeah. I don't see them bringing in a lot of people. I I think it's tough with the with the all all Mexican policy, it's tough to bring in people, especially when everyone else knows that. So, I mean, it may, may be their intention to bring in a lot of people, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. Rafa, do you agree? I think they might bring in uh, one or two players. Uh, the rumors are that they're after Eduardo Herrera from Pumas. I see that as very tough, but I, I certainly see it as doable as well. Uh, I think Pumas is a very cheap team. They're willing to sell sell their players. Uh, Cortez and David Cabrera are two players on their way out. I know publicly uh, there's a lot of journalists saying that these two are, are basically on their way out of the team, not because they're not needed by the coach, but because the team needs to make money somehow, uh, which I think it, as a Pumas fan is a bit ridiculous because you shouldn't have that kind of problems when, when you're a big team or a quote-unquote big team like Pumas. Uh, but those are two players who who will probably be available for uh, for the rest of Liga MX to go ahead and purchase. Uh, Eduardo Herrera again, I, I think it's doable if if Chivas really put put the money on the table. Uh, the other rumor that I know Chivas fans are not happy about is possibly uh, Raúl de los Lopez leaving the team. Uh, I don't see it happening, but uh, you know the rumors out there are that. They might use him as a as a bargaining chip, as uh, as a trade offer to bring in more players. Uh, I I don't think Bergara's that poor to, I don't think to go so ahead either. and do that. I mean, let's let's not forget the man got like eighty million dollars from MLS last season. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he got and he got, and he got like another eight million for Kubo. So, in theory, the man has money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, but, I guess to finish off that question, Brian. Um. Yeah, I think they'll probably bring somebody in. But th- now, am I incorrect in thinking that I heard somewhere that Fiero is on his yeah, way he's out? He's gone. He's gone. He's on a loan to Querétaro. Okay. okay. Just a loan. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they'll bring someone in, but you know, the, if, it, if it's someone like Herrera, um, you know, does it really work out? I mean, we've we've seen a couple couple moves happen with Chivas and. Some, for some reason, sometimes these guys don't really work out that well uh, once they make that move. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's all i got to say. Yeah, well, the, I think the problem with the fan base is that Vergara says, oh, they're coming, we got all these guys coming, blah, blah, blah. And then they bring in, like, one guy, and the fans are like, why? Why did you hype us up? <laughs> they bring in Salcido. Yeah, they'll bring in, yeah, they'll, they'll resign Salcido. Or they'll, no, they'll make their, their big signing, the fans. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, well, usually to close out the podcast, Cesar Hernandez always throws us a funny question to answer. (laughs) 
This time it's the first CD you ever bought. Flo, hit me with it. What's the first CD you bought with your own money? Oh uh, yeah, I remember it. It was it wasn't even a like a full album because I was poor. So it was, <laughs> it was like a single, but it had like four songs on it. It was Tupac, and it had uh, I think um I get around and hit him up were on it. And I remember I bought it because I get around was on it. It was on the radio. I was young. I was like, oh yeah, I want this song. I had no idea what hit him up was at the time. I was real young. I remember by like a week later, I knew every single word to that song. I was like in middle school singing "Hit 'Em Up" word word for word in, in my class. <laughs> so I know very vividly my first CD ever was a Tupac single CD. <laughs> oh man, that's a good one, Brian. What do you got? Uh, mine was also a, a single. <laughs> I think I was like seven, and it was a Coolio CD. It was uh, I, I'll See You When You Get There. <laughs> uh, that was the only song they had on the CD. <laughs> I love that song. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's taking me back. Rafa, who you got? I don't know. That's a good question. It's probably like Spice I, Girls, I, man. Just say it, man. Probably. No. Uh, I don't Fancy. know. The, I know. I was actually looking up for... I have boxes of stuff, and I found a old copy of graduation from Kanye West I remember actually going to the store and buying that one I don't know if that was my first album but it's certainly one that actually made the walk to Best Buy to actually go and buy which is pretty alienish nowadays with iTunes and stuff like that but but yeah I got I really don't know so I'll just say graduation from Kanye West no, man, that's way too cool it has to be something else <laughs> no I really don't don't remember to be honest I think I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was, it was either a, it was a cassette. I think it was either like Why Clef John Gone Till November. Oh my God! I had one. I think I had that too. <laughs> or it was um, the like the first album from like the WWF, like their theme songs. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Uh, you see, that's, that's cassette. Stuff. Yeah, my first my first cassette, I believe, was either. A salt and pepper tape that I got out of garage sale, or it was uh, the Dangerous Mind soundtrack. Ooh. Oh man, I might look up that WWF. I might need to make that as the podcast intro song. We'll see. <laughs> uh, well, anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap up? So I had one question that I told you, you know, off tape. Uh, out of the two Ecuadorian wingers, who do you think is gonna? You know, cost more damage or be the difference maker? Is it going to be Michael Arroyo or Fidel Martinez? I think Fidel Martinez. I think it's, he's been playing out of his mind. So you think Fidel Martinez is going to be a difference maker or he's going to do more? I think he's going to do more. than more. Michael Arroyo. Yeah. Okay. What about you guys? Yeah, I'll say Martinez too, but then again, sometimes I'll doubt Arroyo and he'll come, he'll come out and hit a free kick and just completely change your game. So, you know, it depends on which Arroyo shows up, really. I always doubt Arroyo. I have no, <laughs> no faith in him. And then he does something awful, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> so it should be fun. League of MX Finals. Big teams. Big teams. Yeah, big teams. Right yep. Anything else, guys? Nope. Well. Seems excited for... What's coming and good luck to you to you too. Yeah. 
see. We'll see. I'll talk to you later, Rafa. We'll, we'll make a bet or something. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's been, I think, episode nine, Call for Kid Podcast. Flo, tell the fans where they can find you. We can get all your EA Sports. <laughs> <laughs> My EA Sports tirades. Yes, yeah. you can find me on Twitter at the real flow. Um, F L O, no W. <laughs> Rafa, what about you? Okay, so you guys can find me at MexicanFoot.com, which is uh, just like it is MexicanFoot, and instead of .com, just the C O M. So you can find me on Twitter and just usually post articles on whatever's going on in Mexican soccer. That's a great resource for English language because League MX does a terrible job. <laughs> Brian, where can we find your writing at? Um, I, right now I'm writing for The Stoppage Time. It's just thestoppagetime.com. And my Twitter is BrianRMW. That's all just together. And, yeah, I like to share my opinions throughout the games. So... <laughs> Check check it out, and then uh, I try to write about League MX, Mexicans abroad, and uh, I preview and post match uh, the Mexico games. So Good got stuff. it all covered. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at underscore bones, or it's at the colorful kit, where I'm usually tweeting out some random memes, some Chivas memes, but um, <laughs> or yeah. vines. Oh, dude, I I had to stop with the vines, man. Every time I vine, like. EPL or like Bundesliga they got taken down and stuff uh, buzzkill but yeah so shout out to Brian and Rafa hopping on and Flo as always keeping it real with your Tupac <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening guys